today's Advent reading comes from Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Today we light the candle of peace because the birth of Christ begins the reconciliation of all things. stand and praise God together for having begun that reconciliation process and bringing joy indeed to the world.
Let's sing this together. Angels we have heard on high. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply. Echo rang their joyous strains.
Well, good morning and welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name is Alan, and it is such a joy to join with you all in worship today. Happy Merry Christmas season. So glad to see you all here. If you're a guest here today, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We're so glad you're here, whether you're here online or in person, and we'd love to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. As the card looks like this, you can pull it out from the seat in front of you. If you'll fill this out after service, if you exit through these central doors and turn left, you'll see our next steps desk. There you can turn this in, meet someone who'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have, and also give you a free gift. So welcome guests. We're so glad that you're here today. We're going to transition now to a moment of prayer. And as we do, I invite all of us to prepare our hearts for our act of worship later in the service through giving. So please join and pray with me. Good morning, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this awesome season where we especially remember the incarnation, that you, God, became flesh in Jesus. Thank you that you know what it's like to walk on the sod of this earth and go through the challenges of life. Thank you that you died for us to give us eternal life. Lord, this morning we lift up to you our church's core value of intentional discipleship. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the gift of discipleship, of this process by which we grow to look more and more like your son, Jesus. Thank you for the amazing family we have at Hebron Baptist Church, that we get to grow in relationship with each other and help disciple each other. We pray that you would use us as a body to sharpen each other, that you would allow us to love each other, to build relationships, to encourage discipline, to encourage love, and to encourage each other in our faith. Lord, please bless our discipleship groups, these small groups that meet for that very purpose, to help our intentional discipleship. This morning, Lord, we also lift up to you our friends worshiping you in England at a church plant in Rotten, just outside of London. We thank you for our partner, Carl Porter, this IMB associate and church planner who we love and get to support and partner with. We ask that you would bless our brothers and sisters there worshiping you today. Would you please bless their discipleship? Bless them as they grow with each other so that they can sharpen each other to look more and more like Christ. This morning, Lord, we lift up to you a number of health concerns in our midst. You know our hearts, Lord. You know the challenges and pains that we may be going through. Specifically, Lord, we lift up to you Don Sousa's father, healing from a heart attack. We pray that you would bless him and bless the Sousa family now. Please be so close to them. Be with them and please bring healing. Finally, Lord, we come to you with our greatest need for healing, and that is we need healing from our sin. We just take this moment, Lord, to confess the sins that we've committed, even this past morning, even this past week, ways that we have fallen short of your holy standards. Thank you again for the gift of Jesus, that because of him, because of his perfect sacrifice, we can be forgiven. We can follow after him and experience new life. So we pray that you would wash us clean of our sins and give us new life in the power of Jesus' resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for this great day. We continue to worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And let's stand to our feet and join with the angels in singing praise to God for what he has done for us in sending Christ. God and sinners reconciled 
Good morning. I invite you to grab a Bible, if you would, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 2. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And I always just love taking a moment and saying thank you to this church for being such a blessing. The fellowship we have here is such a gift. I love being a part of Hebrew Baptist Church. And thank you to the band and orchestra. What a gift that was this morning. That was wonderful. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, continuing through this really cool Christmas series we're calling Christmas Playlist, where we've been studying different biblical songs, songs recorded in the Bible of people in the Bible responding to the news of the coming Christ Jesus. So this morning, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2, learning of a song sung by a man named Simeon. So Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start just by reading verses 25 and 26. And this is on page 909 if you're using one of the few Bibles here. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Would you please pray with me? 
Father, we ask this morning, in these moments, as we look to your scripture, that you would speak to us, that you would be present with us, that you would turn our gaze the direction of Simeon's, looking forward to you, to your comfort, to your coming. Lord, please bless and speak to us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever been waiting for something that you really want for a long time? I remember the summer of 2010, my life would be changed forever. I had started college in 2005, and for the vast majority of my time in college, I was a single guy. I didn't have a girlfriend, and that was okay. I mean, I was busy. I had a lot of friends. I was in the Baptist campus ministry. We did a lot of stuff. I had schoolwork to do, but I really, in the back of my heart, was longing for a, the right relationship at the right time. I was thinking in the right time, marriage would, would be nice. This wasn't the right fit so far, so that was okay. So time went on, and I kept waiting and longing. It just kind of seemed like it's probably not going to happen. All my friends who got to know me in college just knew me as a single guy. Um, single Alan, they probably thought, I'm never going to have a girlfriend. So the summer of 2010 changed my life forever. I was sitting in a Bible study. It was a little small group kind of setting, and the doors to the room we were in opened, and the most beautiful girl walked in, and her name was Heather. And after the study, I definitely spoke with Heather. And over time, we got to be friends, and over time, we got to know each other. Eventually, I said, Heather, would you be my girlfriend? And I couldn't believe it. She said, yes. I've been waiting so long for this. It was amazing. My friends couldn't believe it either. They were as surprised as I would. I, I, I remember there was this occasion after we started dating that we were all hanging out, and there was a big group, and I was kind of just to the side in this room talking with my friend Dan. Dan hadn't been around for a while, so I was saying, Dan, over there, that's my girlfriend, Heather. And Dan thought I was going to slip her a 20 just for pretending to be my girlfriend. I was as surprised as everybody. Of course, in time, we got married, and it's been awesome. So have you ever been waiting for something that you really want for a long time? We wait for stuff in life all the time. We wait in lines at the store. We wait for a package to arrive. We wait to hear how we did on a test. In our spiritual life, in our walk with the Lord, we often find ourselves waiting. We may be praying, Lord, would you please bring healing to me? And then we ask, God, why am I not healed yet? God, why has my friend or family member not accepted you as Savior yet? Why am I still dealing with this sin? Why is there still evil in the world? God, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? And so it's hard. It can be really hard sometimes when we're left waiting. Well, this morning, as we look at the life of Simeon, we'll see a man who waited. He waited, but he was blessed to see a glimpse of what he waited for. And my hope is that as we look at Simeon today, as we see how his faith was made sight, that we'll take away three ways that we should wait on our king of comfort. Three ways that we should wait on our king of comfort. So let's dive in. How should we wait? How should we wait for God well in our lives? Well, number one, to wait for our king of comfort, focus. To wait for our king of comfort, focus. Let's go back to our text in Luke 2, starting back in verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. 
guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Eyes are such a gift that God has given to us. It's so amazing. Just recently at the Creation Museum, we finished and opened up this exhibit about the development of human life in a mother's womb. And one aspect in that exhibit, we showcased a a model baby with eyes, eyes developing before a baby's even born. It's so amazing that God has given us these, these tools through which we perceive the world around us. And we can not just see kind of everything at one depth, but we can see multiple planes of depth. You can think of, if you're looking through a window, you might be focused on something way over there, really cool. But then you could also focus on the window itself right here in front of you. Simeon, he had the ability to focus on not just the hustle and bustle that was all around him, but he focused on a plane of depth that was in line with God's unfolding plan. I'm sure in Simeon's day, just like in our day, there's so many things that we can focus on. The culture, the developments in the government, our friends, our family, people getting married, people getting jobs, people having kids. So many things that that could distract us from God, and they're not bad things. But Simeon had the ability to not neglect the layer of depth of God's unfolding plan. In verse 25, it says, Simeon was looking for Israel's consolation. The ESV renders this waiting for the consolation of Israel. I don't use that word consolation very often. I looked it up. The definition is the comfort received by a person after a loss or disappointment. So Simeon, he's waiting for this comfort. So Simeon, he's at the beginning of the New Testament. As the Old Testament had closed hundreds of years prior to Simeon's day, the Israelites of the Old Testament, towards the end, they had been exiled to foreign lands. It's really kind of a a bummer, a sad part in the Hebrew Bible. Now, at the very end of the Old Testament, a remnant of the Israelites, they returned from exile to the Promised Land. They built the temple, but they still had all these promises that were not yet fulfilled, this this future-looking hope of this coming king. Simeon is holding on to that hope. He is not forgetting. He's focusing on God's unfolding plan. He's waiting, looking forward to Israel's consolation. Verse 26 says that it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. This sounds like a bit of a bittersweet scenario here. So Simeon's waiting for the Messiah, but apparently shortly after that will come his death, where he'll go to be with the Lord. The Messiah was this figure foretold in the Hebrew Bible, and it's so cool. If you can look through the whole Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and see these longings, these these paintings of what this figure is going to be like. As far back as Genesis 3, we see this figure who will come and smash the head of the serpent, of Satan. We see this figure who will be a king in the line of David, but will also be a suffering servant, as told in the prophet Isaiah. And here Simeon is. Simeon will get to see what all those Old Testament figures only longed for. It will become, it will, it will become realized, manifest, before Simeon's eyes. Verse 27, guided by the Spirit, Simeon, he enters the the temple, and he sees Mary and Joseph and little Jesus. Simeon took up little Jesus in his arms. I wonder what Mary and Joseph were thinking. Simeon praised God, and he said, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen 
your salvation. The very thing that Simeon had focused on has now come before his eyes. And I ask myself, and I ask all of us, are we focused on God's unfolding plan in front of us? Are we focusing on that layer of depth, or are we missing it in plain sight? My father-in-law, he is really gifted at collecting coins and arrowheads. He has this big collection of old coins and arrowheads, and he and I, we might go walking like through the woods on a hike, and I'll just walk past a bunch of rocks and not think anything about it, but he, he'll bend down, and he'll just pick out this little arrowhead that I totally didn't see at all. I'm just not even thinking about that, but he just has this this perception. It's just on his radar to be looking for those things. Well, like that, like, like me, missing all that, are we missing God's own fo- unfolding plan in front of us? What are some practical ways that we cannot miss, but instead focus on God's plan in our lives? Here's a couple practical ways. One, spend time with the Holy Spirit. I love in this passage about Simeon, his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. He's a man walking with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading him. But how can we spend time with the Holy Spirit when life is so crazy? When there's thoughts of jobs and relationships, of getting ready for Christmas and questioning our faith and so many things that might be going through our heads, how can we carve out time for the Holy Spirit? If we will just carve out a little bit of time, it will be so worth it. And I'm speaking to myself for all of those other things in our lives. For you, it might be starting at the beginning of your day, just a few minutes, or maybe it's in the evening, or maybe it's at lunch. But if you can find a routine of spending a few minutes with the Holy Spirit, quiet time, where you might read through a book of the Bible, or spend time in prayer, you might do prayer journaling, writing out your heart towards God, or or remembering how God has answered prayers. If we will spend that time with the Holy Spirit, it will help us focus and not miss God's unfolding plan right in front of us. It'll help us as we wait on God. And then second, as we attempt, as we focus on God, we have to rest in what God lets us focus on. God doesn't always let us see everything. I think about Simeon. He had longed for and got to see the Christ child in front of him, but what did he not see? I assume that if he died shortly after this, he didn't get to see the miracles of Jesus. He didn't get to see the teaching of Jesus. He didn't get to see the crucifixion or the resurrection or the ascension or the early church. Who knows what Simeon knew? He knew this was the Christ, the Messiah who'd come. Somehow God would use him to bring salvation. So we need to be content being able to focus on what has given us to focus on. For example, maybe you've planted a seed in someone's life. Maybe going to gospel to every home, you've been able to share the news of the gospel with someone, or maybe just invite someone to church, and you may never see what God will do with that. But we can rest. God may, may send others behind you and pour uh, nutrients on that seed and let life bloom in that person's life. Maybe you're an older person here today, maybe like Simeon, and you see God at work in your children or your grandchildren, and God may have huge plans that you won't get to see in this life with them, but we can rest in being able to focus on what God has given us to focus on. So, as we wait for our King of Comfort, first, focus. To wait for the King of Comfort, focus. But as we focus, as we focus ourselves on God, We get to share that with those around us. It's not just about us being in tune with God, but it's about those around us also. So second, as we wait for the king of comfort, not only focus yourself, but share. As we wait for a king of comfort, share the good news that we're seeing as we focus all around us. 
Let's turn back to Luke chapter 2. Simeon continues in verse 30. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. So Simeon, he had been looking for Israel's consolation, this comfort for Israel, and he had arrived. Jesus had arrived. But this comfort, this consolation was not just a gift for Israel. He would be and is a gift for people of every tribe and every nation. The Israelites of the Old Testament, they had a special relationship with God. They had received the Old Testament scriptures. They had known God as the God who rescued them out of Egypt. And so Jesus arriving is a source of glory, the long-awaited king for Israel. But this king would also be a comfort to the Gentiles, to the other nations, the peoples around the globe who had not known the Lord in the way Israel had. Now Jesus' coming would be a light for revelation, that the nations would be invited to know God like Israel had, receiving consolation, comfort, and salvation in this coming king. This, this reminds me, Simeon's hope here reminds me so much of Old Testament passages like Isaiah 49, 5-6. Isaiah, living hundreds of years prior to Simeon, looked forward, saying, And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, It is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob. And restoring the protected ones of Israel, I will also make you a light for the nations, to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Robert H. Stein, speaking of this passage of, of Simeon speaking in Luke, he says, Thus the salvation Jesus brings is light to give revelation to the Gentiles and glory to Israel. The Jews already had the divine revelation, but awaited the manifestation of the glory God had promised. This verse goes a step further than the angelic song found in Luke 2.14 and is the clearest indication so far of the universal dimension of Jesus' redemptive work. Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for every people. He's not just for people that look like you or like me. He's not just for Americans. He's for people of every tribe and tongue because he is the only way to experience life-giving salvation. Being a parent has been a lot of fun around holidays, around birthdays, around Christmas. I love seeing our kids when they get presents. And I think the thing that they like most about receiving presents is not the present itself, but it's the process of unwrapping the present. They love unwrapping presents. And over time, it, we've had to teach them a little bit that when we go to your friend's birthday, they're not your presents to unwrap. They're that other person's present to unwrap. At Christmas, sometimes people who are nice, like my parents, may allow my kids to assist them in unwrapping their presents, but we're having to teach them, no, it's just your present that you get to unwrap. Well, when we think about the gift of Christ, we get to share him with everybody. He's not just the king of the Israelites. He is that. But he's also the king of every tribe, nation, and tongue. There's enough Jesus to go around for everybody. We don't have to just keep him for ourselves. We get to share Jesus with everybody. So how do we practically, in 2022, share Jesus with others? In Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations. So here's a couple ways that you might think about, how can I share this good news of Jesus with those around me? 
But one way would be kind of a, a more close-knit, local a, a, a approach. And that is building a friendship with someone for the intent of sharing Jesus with them. I mean, of course, the friendship can be genuine. You can really be their friend, but also sharing with them the greatest hope of all, that Jesus came. And this is such a great time of the year to talk about Jesus. I mean, music about Jesus is played everywhere. So think, is there a neighbor? Is there a friend around you that you could give a Christmas card to or give, make some cookies for or do something, maybe invite them for coffee, building a relationship with the hope of sharing Jesus with them through your own life? Maybe coming up in 2023, that could result in inviting that person to a life group or meeting that person to read through the Gospel of John, but intentionally building a relationship to share Jesus with. So that's something kind of local that we could all do. Something international would be supporting international missions. It's so cool. Our church, as you know, we partner with different groups around the world. We partner with Redeeming Life Church in Utah, where they minister to a largely Mormon, in a largely Mormon climate. We work with church planter Carl Porter, who's planted a church in England just outside of London. We work with Chris and Rhonda Richard, who used to go here, and they've been called by the Lord to international missions, now serving in Argentina. And we partner with Mosaic Multicultural Church in London, England. These are people who we already partner with who are around the world sharing the gospel. A few months ago, Mark, he reached out to me and said, Alan, would you like to know more about these groups that we partner with? Because I usually pray for one of them each week up here. And I said, well, sure. So he sent me some Facebook links. He sent me uh, some prayer reports from these people. And it's really cool to learn about these groups, about these individuals. They're real people doing real things, just like we are around the world. And to hear their prayer requests. I mean, you can, we can all go on Facebook and see what Redeeming Life Church is doing or what Mosaic Multicultural Church is doing. Each week, they're preaching sermons. They're reaching out. And so we can be praying for these people who we already support and partner with. And then, of course, beyond that, the International Mission Board, if you just go to imb.org, you can read all kinds of amazing stories of what God is doing around the world. So one easy way that we can, part, we can be a part of this great commission is to pray, to pray for our friends, to pray for our friends around the world, to pray for the missionaries that we're supporting who are already engaging lost people, hard-to-reach people with Jesus. And of course, we can give. We did that last week with our Lottie Moon offering. We can give so that more and more people are supported to share the message of Jesus around the world. Our hearts are where our treasures are. And when we invest in God's kingdom, when we spend time praying, or when we give, our hearts follow. We can't help but be wondering, how's that group doing? I've spent so much time praying for. They'll stay with us. And as we align our hearts with God's heart, like Simeon did, in the midst of this world's priorities, we get to share God's priorities. We get to share the King of Comfort with those around us. Okay, so to wait for our King of Comfort, one, we focus. We focus on what God is doing around us. But two, then we get to share that with those around us. But sometimes as we're waiting on the Lord, it can be really hard. There can be really hard, difficult, painful things that go on in our life and it makes us wonder, is it even worth waiting on God? Is he ever going to come through? So third, as we wait for the king of comfort, not only do we focus and share, but we must persevere. To wait for our king of comfort, we must persevere. Sometimes, as we wait on God, things don't unfold the way that we expected them to. Not in our timetable, not the way we wanted, and it calls for perseverance. 
We see a little bit of this in our last section of Scripture, back in Luke 2, starting in verse 33. His, that is Jesus's, father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him by Simeon. Then Simeon blessed them, blessed Mary and Joseph, and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. When we think about Christmas time and the arrival of Jesus, we like to focus on happy things. Jesus has come. This is wonderful. But now, Simeon has given us a glimpse of the ministry to come of this little Jesus. He would be opposed, and it would bring great pain to his mother, Mary. It would require perseverance of Mary. And it's like here, Simeon, whose days may be short, is passing on this waiting baton to Mary. Simeon has waited, and now his eyes have seen what he waited on, but Mary will be able to continue going forward and will have to have perseverance as she waits on this unfolding prophecy of Simeon's to come to pass. The ministry of Jesus would be hard. He would be misunderstood at times. He would be opposed by people. He would, his ministry would bring about the deepest pains imaginable, but it would also be the only source of life and hope that the world needs, and this would require perseverance. Let's dive into these, these words of Simeon. Back in thir verse 34, Simeon told Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Jesus' ministry was not what some expected. His first coming was not focused on overturning Rome. His main focus was not on the physical comfort of people, Instead, his main focus was that people be sold out for God, that they would experience eternal comfort and healing that comes from knowing God. And this ministry that Jesus led had a dividing effect on people, leading some to rise and some to fall. For those who followed Jesus humbly, like the outcast, seeing that Jesus was the only source of life, they were risen up. But for those who did not follow in that humble stature, Jesus became a stumbling block. I think of the young rich ruler who, who walked away from Jesus more in love with his own wealth than being in love with Jesus. So as you think about Jesus, where are you? Maybe you're here today and you're seeking and you're not sure about, is God real? Is he worth waiting on? Is he really there? Jesus' ministry has this dividing effect and so I encourage you to not give up, to keep waiting, to seek Jesus, not to be like those who fall, who trip over Jesus' message and ministry in life as a stumbling block, but to humbly receive him and follow him, to rise up, to let him rise you up. Following Jesus requires the perseverance that comes in humbling ourselves, giving up things that might compete for our exclusive love for Jesus. And this means standing with Jesus even when he's opposed by many. And this perseverance will become very real for Mary. We see that Simeon told Mary in verse 35, a sword would pierce her own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. Of course, this is not the message that every newborn mother wants to hear, that they would personally experience deep pain due to the ministry of Jesus, her own son. But again, this 
this pain would result in the source of life for the world, for all who have put their trust in Jesus. I think this pain Simeon speaks of is most likely referring to Mary witnessing the rejection and eventual crucifixion of her son, Jesus. Mary was there when Jesus died. She stood before him as his blood was shed. She witnessed him dying for the sins of the world and for her own sins. And how could this event unfolding in front of her, perhaps she thought, possibly be part of God's good plan? Mary would need to persevere in her own faith, maybe in that moment not knowing how this could possibly result in something good. I think sometimes perseverance in our own life means as we wait on God and we cannot understand how he could be bringing good out of this circumstance, we still say, God, you are good. We still trust him, even when we cannot feel, feel his consolation or his comfort, that we still rest in him. And there may be some pains that we never experience the full comfort of healing of until God wipes away the tears from our eyes at the end of this life. And I know that even among us in this last year, there's been some deep losses amongst us. And I encourage us in these moments to persevere, to go to God and to find rest as we wait on him to move. So are you struggling now? to persevere in your faith as you wait on God? Do you feel like you're slipping? Here's just a couple ways that we can practically, that we can practically turn to God in those kind of moments. One is to surround ourselves with other believers. Our walk with the Lord, it's so critical that as we follow him, we have believers around us. We have life groups here. We have discipleships discipleship groups here. If you don't have a body, a small group that you can surround yourself with, Please feel free to talk to us at the Next Steps desk. Reach out to those around you. Surround yourselves with those who can encourage you because we all have moments where we need that encouragement from those around us, where we're struggling, where we need perseverance, and we need comfort for those around us. But secondly, maybe you're in a place today where you're feeling pretty encouraged in your faith. And if that's you, then I encourage you to seek out intentionally those who are struggling. Seek out those who need encouragement. That's what we do, because we're a family. Intentionally reach out to someone. Say, hey, can we go to coffee together? Can we hang out together? Do you want to hang out? Because we need to build each other up. We need to keep an eye out for those around us who may be going through pain. So, how do we wait on the Lord? Well, focus, share, and persevere. I'd like to close in just a moment of reflection. If, if you would, if you would close your eyes with me as the band comes back up, I just want to take a moment to reflect and ask each of us today, where are we as we wait for the Lord? What are we waiting on Him for? What have we been praying to Him for? What have we been longing for? And in the midst of that, is there an opportunity for you or for me to spend more time focusing on God's unfolding plan around us? Could this look like us spending more quiet time with the Lord? Perhaps for us, there's opportunities that we can share Jesus with those around us. Are there people around us that we can build a relationship with? Or maybe for us, it's perseverance. We are struggling in our faith as we wait and are failing to see God moving around us. Are there people around us that we can surround ourselves with to help us persevere? Father, we turn to you as the God that we wait for, and we ask that you would help us, that you would cast our gaze like Simeon upon you, and that you would help us to wait well.
We thank you for moving and being with us. Please be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together the story uh, of Christmas.
Let's watch this video together. There's so much lostness in the world. There's so much the feeling of hopelessness and helplessness in the world. The answer for them is Christ. I was born in Malaysia in 1947. My family were idly worshipers. It was my duty, even though I was a boy, to serve the gods. And so without fail, every evening before we have our dinner, I would put jaws in front of the idols. It was a big deal because we have idols for everything. My high school teacher invited me to an evangelistic meeting. That was the first time I heard about Christ. I heard that I was a sinner, and coming from my background, I felt that I was pretty good, you know. And then one night, I believe it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit, a thought came to my mind, and which said to me, if this God is true, the greatest sin in my life would be to deny that. That really got hold of me. And uh, the Lord convicted me of my sin. I went to all my, the idols and I said, this is the last time that I'm going to serve you. I have found the true God. And that was it. <laughs> I felt called to the ministry. I studied at uh, Hong Kong Baptist Seminary, which is also started by Southern Baptists, funded by Southern Baptists, and staffed by Southern Baptists. Had it not been for the Lordy Moon offering, my life would have turned in a totally different direction. It's a gift that keeps on giving through the lives of people that are touched through the generosity of Southern Baptists. And I'm one of them, by the grace of God. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Just a few uh, reminders. Again, if you're a guest here today, thank you for coming. We're so glad that you came today. Please stop by the Next Steps desk as you leave today. And if you have any interest in learning about our life groups, please stop by there. There will be someone there who will be happy to answer any questions that you may have. A few things to look forward to coming up. This coming Saturday evening, December 24th, will be our candlelight Christmas Eve service. That's going to be a lot of fun. Please come. Then the next morning will be our Christmas Day service at 10.30 a.m. For that service on the 25th and on January 1st, we'll only have worship here at 10.30. There will be no on-campus life groups. Then on January 8th, we'll have a Women on Mission meeting. Uh, so lots of fun things going on. Please be a part of it. At this time, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward as we get to worship through our giving of tithes and offerings. Please join me in prayer for this. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing around the world. Thank you, Lord, that your heart is to reach people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. We pray that as we take this offering, that you would be glorified, that lives will be impacted locally, nationally, and internationally. 
please use this money as an offering for your glory, Lord. We continue to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. You guys have a great week and Merry Christmas.